0: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, They're wonderful lads that do a great job there, and it's worth reading about that man there, so he the man needs for rest, and the numbers reveal why...
1: Welcome, this is your um, Managing Madrid podcast bonus episode. your host, Gabe Ledger. I'm joined by my buddy, Jess Howen. Jess, hey, how's it going? you are on your way to uh, to a Rapids game right now. You're calling from your car. That's how much you care about what we're about to talk about. That is correct. I'm
0: hoping we don't get beat too bad by LAFC. Um, <laughs> they're, kind
1: of, they're kind of amazing this year, so... I mean, they have slapped hands, so... I mean we uh, do. No,
0: that's
1: the galaxy. Oh, you're right. They, Shit. They have
0: Carlos
1: I, Vela. I'm working, I'm working on my MLS, I promise everybody. Um, but <laughs> we're not here to talk about MLS. We're not talking about MLS. We are previewing for our wonderful Managing Madrid listenership the fact that we, you and I, and, and maybe a couple other people are going to be beginning a Real Madrid women's podcast. Like it'll be part of the MM podcast group, obviously, but this yep. will be uh uh this will be our show and we're gonna cover the women's team. I mean, uh week in, week out, or at least bi weekly. That's some of the idea. Um, but you know, before that, we should talk about I think probably the bigger story in women's game right now, which was what I thought was an incredible match today. USA oh, yeah. taking on France, winning two to one in the Pac de Prince in Paris. Incredible game. Um U.S. scored uh, in the first five minutes, um, and then really, and I think one of the interesting things about this match, so Megan Rapinoe uh, had an incredible, I mean, frankly, that free kick was incredibly well-designed, and I'm not even a huge fan of Jill Ellis, um, personally. I don't think she's that great a coach.
0: (laughs) Um, You're definitely not alone in in that uh, line of thought.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, but the goal was actually really well executed, I think, tactically. Yeah. So yep. it was like a low driven ball towards the front, for, towards the near post. And I think it was Julie Ertz who just kind of let it pass through. And that totally caught the goalkeeper off. Uh, off kilter and the ball trickled in through the back past a bunch of people. And it was actually a really brilliantly executed set play. What I think was really interesting. I wanted to talk to you about was this is a U.S. team that I think traditionally we've seen them have the ball a lot more. Like they're a team that likes to have the ball and, 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 and I mean, they do play very direct game, right. but they tend to be a team that has a lot of possession, a lot of shots are creating a lot of opportunities. Ellis went into this match playing a, uh, essentially a 5-4-1 and ceded possession to France. Yeah. For I was yeah just inter- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just interested in your, your thoughts. I mean, like, I'm looking at these stats, and we saw, and they, they kind of bear this out, France had 61% possession. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, I mean, possession
0: percentage is always interesting to me, it's interesting to me, but it's never... At the same time it's, it's less about how long you've had it had the ball and more about what you do with the time you have.
1: Um, right.
0: And I the commentators all they made some kind of remark about that too about how France had more possession but at the same time they wanted to seem to not have the ball as much. Right. I can't remember what all
1: well, I mean, it's it, it, what seemed very clear was that the U.S. had come out in this posture of we're going to defend and kind of create a. Uh, I mean, we're going to give France the ball in a in in a way that makes them uncomfortable, and I think the French had kind of assumed that the U.S. would come out to kind of dominate the game and dictate the tempo, and by ceding possession of the way they did it kind of put the onus on France, especially after that early goal to kind of go at the U S which opened up a lot of lines behind the French attack or behind All the right. French defense. That being said, I actually thought the U S looked really good in defense also, especially that nervy kind of period towards the end of the match, you know, after that, uh, after France scored their kind of come from behind goal, uh, uh uh, in minute 81, and it really did look like France was going to kind of pounce back and maybe get back into the game. Right. But well, the U.S. Really
0: yeah.
1: And she's so good. Um,
0: she, oh, she's, oh, I, I love several like of the French players. Like, if the U.S. hadn't gotten this far, like, they would have been my next team to root for, would have been France. Um, just because of, you know, um, Katie Diani's. And Wendy Renard and all the, you know, I'm Les Homer. They're just
1: fun to watch. I really wanted to talk about Katie D'iani, who, and I want to talk about Wendy Renard first because I think there's a really <laughs> interesting comparison with her, and a Real Madrid player. Um, I think she reminds me a huge amount of Rafael Varane, and not yeah. just because they're both French, <laughs> but because they're both very good in the air and have this really imposing presence on set yep. pieces. Oh yeah. Uh, so she and so she had an incredibly and she actually led the French team in scoring during the cup. Uh, she, I mean she's six foot one, uh, but also is very talented with the ball at her feet. I think she's an incredibly talented player. Oh, I mean, yeah. and when I'm thinking about why, I mean, when I'm watching these games, I don't know about you, because I know that that and I want to transition a little bit because when I when I'm looking at these games, I'm watching in terms of. Well, now Real Madrid has a team who would be right. a good kind of uh, who would be a good axis to build around if you're de- if you're designing a kind of super team, because that's oh my gosh. Right. Let's just be clear. That's what Real Madrid is going to do. Right. We're, I mean, this is Madrid. Oh, yeah. They're not going to screw around. Like maybe it'll take a year or so, but eventually they're going to go out and get the best players in the world. And Renard seems yeah, to me to, to be, be such a no brainer. Oh, yeah.
0: I, oh, my gosh. I would just pick her in a heartbeat. If, she, if we can get her away from
1: Leonese. Um, um, I think it's who she plays for. Yeah. Uh, the old, we by the way, the me. the current um, Champions League holders, arguably the best team in the world. But, you know, we're Real Madrid. We've got, we're still Real Madrid. <laughs> right.
0: There's, there is still that prestige that comes with
1: the uh, the crest. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. I also wanted to talk a little bit about probably the most interesting matchup of the game, which was uh, Katie Diani versus Crystal Dunn, um, the uh, American um, left back. Crystal Dunn,
0: just, she owned it. I mean, she she's another favorite. But then again, I, I'm heavily biased toward the American team over the French team. So, I mean, you
1: got to take that as <laughs> Well, I think uh, what... I think what we see with with Dunn um, and the way that, that kind of the U.S. relies on Dunn is it reminds me a lot of kind of early maybe Roberto Carlos with Real Madrid where you have this player who's an incredible, like really powerfully quick, very fast, right? And she really likes to get forward and she relies on that speed to get back in transition and... Uh, and prevent kind of catastrophic defending. The problem is that it is kind of catastrophic defending. It's last-second yeah. tackles. It's like there's a huge amount of space, and you always feel like, oh, shit, <laughs> oh, oh, no, right? Like she's uh, – uh, there's all this space behind her, and, and and all they need is one ball. But she's so fast that she can get back in time, and France right. failed to capitalize on it, despite the fact that I think Diani, who is her direct counterpart, right, the France um, – Right attacking, uh, uh, right attacking mid slash forward, uh, right. had a great game.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It. So it was a fascinating little like inter, uh interchange of uh, uh, of styles there. And Ellis, I think, and I don't know about, I, I don't know what your kind of opinion of this strategy is, but Ellis really likes to play done very central. And I'm not, yep. I'm not sure personally, I mean, like, it is obviously taking a lot of advantage of her speed, but it strikes me that, you know, <laughs> you're going to get burned eventually if you have your left back playing essentially as a center back.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something we've seen, you know, all season long in the Rapids, at least during the losing streak, was watching players who are supposed to be on the outside that are trying to cover for center backs who are not doing their job, and it.
1: And you're right, you get burned. And when you play against someone who is technically, like, as proficient as Diani was, you need to have your left back basically have the game of her life. And that's exactly what happened with Dunn. I mean, frankly, there are a couple of moments where Diani cut it back in and France failed to capitalize. But, you know, right. you know, most of the time, you like. The U.S. actually, and and Dunn in particular, actually managed to shut it down. Now, just looking at the stats, though, France had 20 shots. The U.S. had 10. France had 61 possession. The U.S. had 39, right? 78 percent pass accuracy for France, 64% pass accuracy for the United States. By all accounts, this game was actually kind of against the run of play, which is a fascinating thing to see from the United States who have been so overwhelmingly good uh, and and so dominant.
0: Well, but you have to look at who they faced in the group stages too. You know, when you talk about dominating, because like the only real challenge that we had in group stages was Sweden, and even then they weren't, you know, that much as much of a challenge in the long run. That's you true. Know, we really we really didn't get tested until after we stepped into
1: you know the round of 16, stepped into the elimination and where they played Spain. And I think that's a good right. transition moment to talk a little bit about Real Madrid, right? Yeah, because perfect. I think uh, in Didi particular, Armoso? what'd you say? So can we get, can we get Danny that Well, that's what that I was going to say. I think, I think one of the, and I've seen some links already, one of the clear cut players that Madrid is going to go ahead and go get is going to be Jenny Hermoso, whose contract with Atletico Madrid uh, is ending, and she has made it very clear that she wants to stay in Madrid. And she would be a marquee and like like pound the table type signing for Real Madrid, oh, announcing yeah. themselves as a player to be like a team to be feared. And I would note that uh, there are a couple other people whose contracts are uh, and I, I I went through and looked at you know people whose contracts are uh, uh, are ending, and especially because when you have a system where the best league in the world is in the United States and there's going to be fewer like buyout opportunities so Madrid can't just go and buy, you know, Mallory Pugh or someone like...
0: Oh, I would
1: love that though. Oh Oh, my God, I know. Part of that that for me is that uh, Mal Pugh and Lindsay Horan
0: are Colorado girls, so both, there's, like, extra personal bias on there because that would be even better for me.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I actually have uh, I have a Mal Pew jersey. It just came today. Nice. Uh, I wear, so I wore it during those. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah. All right. So, but the, the thing is that I think that um, our listeners are going to have to, like, recognize about um, the Real Madrid women's team is that it's not going to be quite as obvious – that you can just go get players, even if like the kind of the quantities that we're talking about in terms of money are quite a bit less. Because the Americans, we have such a bias towards people completing their contracts. You actually have to wait until free agency. You don't go and buy out a contract like you would in in France. But there are a lot of people whose contracts are ending. Um, Alex Morgan, (laughs) her contract is up. Um, I think most importantly for me, uh, Ada Herberg <laughs> his, his contract is up Oh uh, my god, yes please <laughs> I know <laughs> So Ada Herberg for everyone um, Is the current Ballon d'Or winner <laughs> like She is Legitimately the best Best player in the world She's not playing for Norway right. um, and So That is just And Jenny uh, is another kind of person Who has made, made it very clear That she would like to play uh, In madrid and stay in madrid and i think madrid or real madrid are very interested and want that kind of you know hand on the table another person and isn't
0: jenny the current um leading scorer for
1: right now she is nope she is uh she so she was the uh uh leading scorer in the Spanish women's league last season. So, she is no she is first of all she was great in the World Cup, second of all she is a proven club player. Another player who's proven arguably the greatest of all time despite her age has who has made it very clear she wants to play for Real Madrid is Marta. Now, Oh my gosh. Marta oh, Marta, I think really- is exactly the type of person Madrid would go get. The issue is that Marta oh, yeah. is quite old and like not to, you know, I, mean, I
0: don't you say that, but I think she's younger than both of
1: us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I know she's for just sure been around she for a while.
0: She <laughs> has. I was, we were actually looking that up. Um, one of the first women's national team games I ever saw was here against Brazil. And it was her first year with the senior national team. Damn. And, yeah.
1: Uh, and she is really good, and she is a very recognizable face, so if we're talking about, like, you know, uh, uh, building a brand and, and building a oh, prestige yeah. element for Madrid, she would be exactly the type of person Madrid would want to go get, uh, and so, like, these are just the kind of, this is the kind of cool, like, intro to what this season could be like. Now, my understanding is, and I'm I'm still like reading up on this, but my understanding is that next season, uh, while the team will be playing at Valdebebas, they won't technically be Real Madrid. I think they're still right. owned for next year. So right, I'm not. My I'm not entirely sure what's up with that. I think, regardless though, Madrid be, will be funding them and owning them, and. Uh, It'll still be a team that Madrid can like exercise control of in terms of personnel, uh, right. and that's why I think it's important. And I mean, they just they were just promoted, so it's important to not get relegated again if Madrid is gonna oh right. uh, if Madrid is gonna like really stay competitive in the women's league. So Madrid does really does have to invest in this in right. this team now if they're gonna make oh. a statement. When these guys are all wearing the uh, Madrid Jersey. So it's important, I think to see who's playing well at the world cup and who might fit a kind of real Madrid style. And that's why I was so impressed by, I gotta tell you, I was, I've been really impressed by the Spanish national team uh, playing what I think, what I see very much of as a kind of modern uh, Spanish style, a press and press and possess is sort of the way I imagined it. And, the, the way they played the U.S., I mean, I don't even think the French executed as strong a press against the U.S. No. national team as Spain did.
0: No, I feel like, um, and this is completely opposite of what I expected, but I feel like the, in a way the Spain game was a tougher win for the U.S. than the France game was. You know, I was expecting France to be our probably our toughest competitor, and, and going into this game I felt like this should actually be the final matchup and not a quarterfinal matchup. Um, but with the way the game shook out, it just like it I mean, it wasn't obviously super easy, but it felt like it was a lot sure. easier in some ways
1: than the Absolutely Rangers. I yeah, I cannot agree more. Uh, I was really yeah, I, I was I was very impressed that despite the fact that it felt like the US didn't have the possession, they actually did seem to be in control of the match generally. Yeah. Um Whereas with Spain, it actually did feel like that could have gone either way uh, for big yeah. chunks but And, you know, frankly, the second penalty was a little soft. I was going to say, it was a little soft. But, you know, there was contact. Kind of there was seen. contact. It absolutely was. It was, the, but like, you know, it was yeah. a, the way I think that, the way I describe it is that it was a, it was a kind of a big team penalty. Like classic, yeah. like the big teams, you're going to get that call. And so I. that's kind of
0: what we've been seeing. Refereeing wise throughout the cup though Is that kind of I don't know if that one's just I don't
1: know if that one's
0: right you know Yeah. Spain and US is not the first time That's happened
1: this World Cup Oh totally And I I also wonder whether there is And now this is like a kind of Digression but like I wonder if there's like A bias not towards The big teams but that FIFA has Said we're not going to call This as strictly as perhaps we should I, I actually feel like the referees have been doing a lot of kind of like let them play and not i am mean, frankly protecting the players in a way that i would want to i you know with right. with my team like i want referees to make more calls because right. i don't want you know these kind of reckless challenges going in and injuring people like i want to see more yellow cards i want to see you know more of the i, I mean we want the teams that play technical football to be protected from the teams that that just want to, like, dominate in terms of physicality. And I felt like the way that the tournament's been called has not really allowed for that. (laughs) That, That's the hot take.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard some interesting points about, you know, like, whether or not some of the refs are are second-guessing themselves, you know, because of what they're hearing from Barr and things like that. Like, I don't know, it's a very interesting interesting predicament for the referees but i will yeah. tell you that i would take any one of these referees over the ted uncles of the mls of, oh gosh mls
1: oh my god yeah and calf yes. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh my gosh that's <laughs> true oh my gosh you
0: know but getting getting back to the, the women's team right quick i am floored at the money that is going into this because it's not a lot yeah You know, there are reports that they've bought this team from anywhere from 300,000 to 500,000 euros. It's nothing. If you want to buy into MLS at this point, you have to show out $200 million. You have to have that upfront in order to have an expansion team from here on out. And so it's just kind of like, it kills me because we have guys playing on the Rapids that, you know, Tim Howard, makes more money than all of what Real Madrid is probably gonna be investing that they've reported so far.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so it is kinda like it'll be interesting to see what they do from a money standpoint because, you know, they talk about investing the two million euro and that's not a
1: lot. It's nothing for Real Madrid. It's nothing. Oh yeah. I mean if they if Real Madrid managed somehow to like, you know, not even like let's just say they invested the equivalent of what Gareth Bale makes in a year into the women's team, they would have one of the best teams in the world, hands down. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> And what that's why I feel like it's a good thing for the big these big teams, right, to get involved in the women's game because they have so much money, oh, yeah. uh, and it would be such a it's such a small chunk of revenue for Real Madrid to invest to be able to compete with. The best female teams in the world, which right now, frankly, uh, is Barcelona is one of them, and so that has to be something that Madrid should be thinking about.
0: Oh yeah, well, and especially when you look at the numbers, like they're—I um, think they reported like more than a few sellout crowds for some of the Atletico femenino
1: games last season. You know, and that's a lot of people coming out for a women's team. Yeah, and know? and that's a lot of money. Spain and Spain is ready. All this stupid sexist federation needs to do is invest a little bit of money and a little bit of effort and they could create and they could have a great team. I mean, look at Italy. It's the same idea. These kind of legacy European and South American federations. All they need to do is take this game just a even a tiny bit more seriously and they will be able to challenge for the World Cup. And if they actually invested a fair amount, they would be winning it. Exactly.
0: Crazy. I definitely look forward to the day where we have the NWSL All-Star Game, um, which is the National Women's Soccer League here in the U.S., for those that don't know that. Um, but I would love to see an NWSL All-Star Game versus, you know, Atleti versus Real Madrid versus...
1: Absolutely. The, Absolutely. The, or...
0: You know, U.S.A. women or what I have got
1: now with MLS All Stars playing for. Right. Oh, wait. Right. I think you just went away through that entire sentence. No, I heard. I heard it. I heard it. Um, I mean, I. I frankly, I mean, if it were up to me, right now the NWSL is, is the best <laughs> women's league in the world, and so what really should happen is they should send like the spirit to Spain to play the. Uh, liga iberdrola
0: right. all-stars dead or or that the houston dash yeah or i think it was uh the north carolina courage that won last season so maybe maybe we get the courage over
1: there right exactly i mean we shouldn't just assume that the european leagues are going to be better like well yeah but... that's
0: true sorry <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, better at
1: no 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 it's it's fine um, look, Jess, I am gonna cu- I'm gonna I'm gonna end the show there. This is just a preview, that's though. Perfect. We're gonna be doing our um, uh, we're gonna be covering the the Real Madrid women's team together, and I look forward to doing more coverage of the the Women's World Cup as it goes forward. Um, the U.S. is gonna play England in the semifinals, and that's gonna be a hell of a game because England look real good, um, oh, yeah. and uh, everyone should be following because it's gonna be really fun. Jess Howan, thank you so much. Um, Thanks for calling me from your car. um, And uh, a a la Madrid.